worship in the world is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions as we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today.
Let us pray. Gracious, loving God, as we gather for worship, we are thankful for the opportunity to share in this moment, to share in this space, to share this time together. Lord, we welcome each person who is joining us today. May they feel the warmth of your presence and the love of this community. Help us to be a welcoming and inclusive body where all are embraced and accepted just as they are. Bless our time of worship, O God. May the words we speak and the songs we sing be a sweet offering to you. May the fellowship we share be a reflection of your love. We offer this prayer in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. I want to point you to the back of the program uh, to these words. I'm going to read them, read them for us. The city is always changing. Traffic swells, leaves collect in the gutter, roads get a shiny new asphalt face. Our landscapes look different, season to season and day by day. And on our journey with Jesus, we too are portraits of constant change. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people in pursuit of truth. As we seek God and serve our neighbors, we strive to reflect the beautiful kingdom of God in Columbia. We believe our story is bigger than Sunday mornings. It's happening all over the city as we share our individual journeys of faith. Rooted in the richness of our Presbyterian PCUSA tradition, we worship together with joy. Listen to this. Christ calls us to a life of change. It's our hope to always look different. I wanted to share these words on the back of our program. They were written far before I joined downtown church. And as, as we were considering where we are as a church, growing and about to call another pastor, an associate pastor, and as we're stepping into this season of Lent, it felt right to revisit the DNA of our church, to see that it still holds true, especially these lines We are portraits of constant change, and Christ is the one who calls us to a life of change. Over the next 40 days of this season of Lent, we're going to be exploring this theme, change, and we're going to unravel all the different facets of change, what makes change really hard and uncomfortable, what makes it exciting and thrilling. And then at the end, the culmination of Lent on Easter We're going to celebrate what makes change in resurrection the very best news. You might even notice a few changes in worship, like the placement of the folding chairs versus the wooden chairs. Fun surprises, you know, to keep us all on our toes. Our scripture reading today from the Gospel of Matthew has change written all over it. So listen now for God's word for you. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. And it was then that the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Well, then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you won't even dash a foot against a stone. But Jesus said to him, again, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. 
Well, here again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms and all their glory. And he said to him, all of this I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Well, then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. Y'all, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. The title of today's sermon is Changing Landscapes. Changing Landscapes. This is one heck of a way to begin ministry. I can tell you that I, for one, would not like to begin ministry the way that Jesus does. Just before this temptation in the wilderness, Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan by his cousin John. The Holy Spirit descends upon them and they all heard this booming voice of God say, this is my son, the beloved. With him, I am well pleased. And that had to feel like a really high moment for Jesus. You know, when you look back on your life, there's these like really high moments, you know, when you feel good about yourself, confident in who you are. And it probably was good for the people watching too. Hey, this is God's son, the beloved. He pleases God. We get to follow him. Direction is good. But there was no baptism banquet to celebrate this high moment. There were none of those like fancy cookies. Y'all know the ones I'm talking about that you pay a lot of money for that look like they're crosses and they taste really good. We get those for baptisms. Y'all looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. We all get those cookies at baptism, you know? But there were no special cookies. There was no brunch after church. As soon as Jesus is baptized, the same spirit, the same spirit at his baptism led him into the wilderness to be tempted. At this moment, Jesus' landscape changes and not for the better. When he gets to the wilderness, he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights, no food, only water, and y'all, I don't know if this, this is because that change in landscape, that transition happened so quickly that he didn't have time to like store up on some dried mango and nuts, you know? Like we don't actually know if this fast was by choice or just if it happened so quickly, he didn't have time. What we do know is this is the moment in scripture that we Christians look to uh, when in this season of Lent, we give something up. Y'all have heard that before. In the 40 days, you give something up for Lent. You intentionally change a habit. Some people give up sweets. A lot of people give up social media. It's not a bad idea. I've heard in this congregation, a lot of people give up Diet Coke or try to for the 40 days of Lent. It's like we can sense that change is in the air. The seasons are changing. We see the cherry blossoms bloom and we welcome it. We want to move the seasons from winter to spring. So we're looking for any way that we can affect change within ourselves or in our world. But y'all, the purpose of Lent in the Christian church isn't about self-help. We're to change something that will lead us closer to God. That second part is really important during the season of Lent. And that's what Jesus is doing when his landscapes change. I want you to take a look with me at verse two. After these 40 days and nights of fasting, Jesus is famished. He's so hungry that he can't even see straight. 
Like his vision's probably blurry and he can't carry himself walking for very long. He has changed himself from like a strong, well-fed, capable human to the weakest form of humanity. And that, my friends, is when the tempter shows up. Isn't that the truth? That's when the tempter shows up in our lives too, when we're at our worst, when we're feeling insecure, when our bodies are letting us down, they're not able to do what we once were able to do, when we're on the outs of a relationship, our own individual version of the tempter who knows our trigger shows up and tries to trick us by telling us we can escape whatever feels uncomfortable. Here's how the tempter tries Jesus. The tempter knows Jesus is hungry. He's waited the full amount of time Notice it wasn't on day three or day seven or 23. The tempter waits 40 days, the full amount of time when he is sure Jesus needs food to survive. And he shows up and he says, if you're the son of God, go on. Change these stones into bread. You think Jesus hasn't thought of that? In the 40 days that he's hungry, you think he hasn't thought about changing things into food? But Jesus knows that it's not the time. He knows he can, but it's not the time, not for the audience of the devil. And so even though his tummy is loudly growling, even though his skin is like pulling against his bones, he quotes scripture to the tempter. He says, it's written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's scripture that he's quoting, the law of God, Deuteronomy 8, 3. Deuteronomy 8, 3 says this, God humbled you by letting you hunger and then by feeding you manna, which neither you nor your ancestors knew what that was, in order that you would understand one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We're not fasting for the sake of losing five pounds, okay? We're fasting in order to know that we live by the word of God. Jesus is pulling from his faith. He's setting his anchor down deep in his faith. He's remembering the Israelites' experience of God in the wilderness. God will provide manna, but it won't be what you expect it to be. There are people in this room right now who know that we don't live on bread, on money. We live by the word of the Lord. We know, people in this room, that bread, money is not what keeps us alive. It's not what brings us alive. There's something else. And Jesus knew it too. That's why he anchors himself in God's word. Well, the tempter moves on. He's not deterred by Jesus' rejection. Here's what he does. He changes the landscape. He takes Jesus to the Holy Spirit, to the pinnacle of the temple. And then the tempter does what tempters do. He uses Jesus' strategy against him. Did you notice that? He notices that Jesus quotes scripture back and the tempter says, I know scripture too, watch this. He says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. In Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12, he will command his angels concerning you. They will bear you up. Your foot won't even be dashed on a stone. But Jesus answers quickly. Again, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Deuteronomy 6, 16. 
The tempter is trying to get Jesus to prove himself, but Jesus doesn't fall for it. Even when he's famished, even when, I can't imagine standing on the roof of this church after 40 days of not eating. Can we agree that would be a really bad idea? He stands strong because he knows his purpose. Y'all never doubt how strong you are, you are, when you know God's purpose. Jesus knows that the time will come for him to reveal his identity as the son of God through his actions, which is what the tempter wants him to do now, but it's not time yet. Jesus knows he's still got work to do. He's got to call disciples, heal people, feed crowds. Jesus knows that ultimately he will do exactly what the tempter is asking him to do. He will fall towards his death on the cross in public not for the devil, but for the people he has come to save. The tempter's not deterred. What does he do, y'all? He changes landscape. He knows that three's a holy number, just like 40's a holy number, third time's a charm. So he takes Jesus to a very high mountain and he shows Jesus all the kingdoms and their glory. And he says to Jesus, I'll give you all of these if you worship me. Aha, with this change of landscape comes a change in the tempter. The tempter slips up here. He reveals his true concern, his his true jealousy of God in heaven. And the tempter knows that Jesus' call is to build the kingdom here on earth. So he uses that same kingdom language. He says, Jesus, I know you're building the kingdom on earth, but what if you could have more? What if your impact could have a, a bigger reach? What if you could have all of these kingdoms? How many of y'all know the temptation for more? Just me? It's a shadow. It's a great shadow of the American market. This, this, this trick of our system to let us know that more is better, except more isn't always better. Who knows that to be true? More is not always better. Sometimes it's too much. Sometimes it makes us feel like we're robots instead of living organisms. How many of us fall for the temptation for more and then once we get it, we regret it? Jesus has clarity in his calling. He says to the tempter, away with you, Satan, for it's written, again, Deuteronomy 6, 13, worship the Lord your God, serve only him. After his third temptation, the tempter leaves Jesus alone. Thanks be to God. This has to be a welcomed change of landscape for Jesus to go from being on your toes, you know, responding to the tempter's lead to being able to lay down on the ground and have somebody attend to your needs. And this isn't the only time that happens in scripture. Do y'all remember Elijah? You remember Elijah when he's exhausted and he's depressed and he lays down by a tree and he doesn't want to eat and God sends angels and they poke him to wake him up and they force feed him snacks. Angels come and attend to us when we navigate difficult changes of landscape in our lives. When we go through incredible spiritual turmoil, God sends angels to us, usually in the form of humans who wake us up and force feed us a snack and tell us to keep going. 
When I read this scripture, Jesus must have known that God would keep changing the landscape until he landed in the place where he wanted to be. And how did he know that? Because he was anchored deep. He set his anchor deep, y'all, in God's word. Each time the landscape changed and Jesus was challenged, he pulled from God's word to keep going. It was spiritual food for him. Live by more than bread alone. Live by the word of God. And you know what? You and I can do that too. We can anchor ourselves in God's word. We can pull on our faith story in scripture that can steady us when the landscape around us just keeps on changing. I have a friend who, um, who tells me when I get kind of worked up, you know, a little overwhelmed by the changes happening in my life, especially those changes that I feel like I don't have control over, you know. I don't really like when those changes happen. And this friend told me, you know, Dawn, when you feel overwhelmed by change, here's what you need to do. Grab a piece of paper and a pen and write down all the things in your life that aren't changing. So I did that. I think it was about the time that my mom was getting sick with cancer and um, relationships were, you know, a little murky and we were considering a big move. Lots was changing. I sat down, I started writing. You know what I wrote down? People that love me. That didn't change. Started writing down people that loved me, wrote down God's love for me. And then I got more specific, y'all. I started writing down God's promises to me. Like, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, Matthew 28. Or God's mercies are new every morning. Great is God's faithfulness, lamentations. Or when you pass through the fire, and sometimes we pass through the fire, those flames will not overcome you. Do not fear, for I've called you by name. You are mine. Isaiah 43. You might have noticed there's a post-it note in your uh, program. That's not rogue. It's meant to be there. There's more on the coffee um, or the cookie table if you've lost yours or it's flown away. But here's my invitation to you. As we start this shifting landscape of change, of Lent, I want you to take that post-it note and I want you to write down something that isn't gonna change. And what I really want you to do is to go home and to pull your Bible off that shelf. Maybe you've got a Bible that a grandparent passed down to you or an aunt or you got it at your baptism. I want you to open up that Bible and look for a comforting word for you. Maybe there's some underlined bits that got you through a hard time in your life. Maybe you can see the faith of somebody else who gifted you that Bible. I want you to write down whatever is speaking to you. God will speak to you in scripture. And here's the truth. If you don't have a Bible or you don't feel comfortable pulling it off the shelf, God's even gonna speak through a Google search engine. Watch this. You just pull it up on your phone. You can do it right now. And you search comforting words in scripture or words from Jesus. And you scroll and you find one that speaks to you and you write it down on a post-it note. And then you put it on your car steering wheel or you put it on your bathroom mirror or you put it in your place of work. 
And it's going to steady you when that change in landscape comes because it will come. Here's mine. One does not live. One does not come alive by bread alone, but by setting your anchor deep in the word of God. Matthew 4. Thanks be to God. Oh uh-huh.
As your landscape changes, and it will, anchor yourself deep in God's word. It will give you life. It will sustain you for the journey. And as you go from this place, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the interruption of that Holy Spirit may be with you and with all those you love and with all those nobody loves. Go in God's peace. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give.